Hello and welcome to the Men's Health Matters podcast. I'm Rob Klein from the Freemasons Foundation, which has proudly partnered with the University of Adelaide to create the Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health. The centre supports young scientists who are dedicated to undertaking research, addressing some of the biggest health issues important to men. So far, we have produced hundreds of research publications and initiatives which make a difference in everything from depression and sexual health to heart disease and prostate cancer. The Men's Health Matters podcast series showcases some of our current research which is aimed at advancing the health and well-being of all Australian men. And now, here's your host, Cameron Giss, to take you through it. On this podcast, I have a conversation with medical oncologist and PhD candidate, Dr Adele Areth, about his research into the effect that obesity has on PSA testing. Hope you guys enjoy Alright, so welcome again to the Men's Health Matters podcast. So thanks for coming on the podcast today, Adele. Thank you. Um, so jumping straight into it, could you talk a bit about your background and how you got involved in this research area? I worked for a couple of years in Egypt, then I travelled to uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I worked there as a medical oncology specialist in one of the most famous governmental hospitals there for five years. During these five years, I was start to have an interest in uh, research. I uh, founded a small research group called Medical Survey 17 Research Group. We had uh, some web-based surveys which was screening the clinical practice of uh, medical oncology in uh, Middle East and North Africa, the MENA region. Uh, we had a cooperative project with the European School of Oncology. And uh, this project was published last year. Um, in 2015, 2016, I moved to Bahrain. I was working as senior medical oncology specialist. Uh, 2016, I moved here in Adelaide and started my PhD, which was concerned with obesity and how it can affect prostate cancer incidence and aggressiveness and what is the underlying mechanism for this. Yeah. Um, so how are you enjoying Adelaide? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I like the weather here. It reminds me of my uh, uh, city. Yeah. Uh, because it's like it's having this Mediterranean weather. It's not very cold, not very hot. It's not too much humidity. Yeah. I really enjoying it. Oh, cool. Um, I guess, yeah, so from my understanding, uh, being obese can result in lower PSA levels. Yes. Um, and that can lead to an underestimation of their prostate cancer risk? Yeah, so prostate cancer-specific antigen, or PCA, is a, a protein which is secreted from the prostate gland cell. And uh, it is used in uh, prostate cancer screening and prostate cancer diagnosis, and even for uh, following up patients on treatment for prostate cancer. It was found that uh, men with higher weight or higher body mass index are having relatively lower PSA levels in their blood when compared to men with normal weight. And this finding needed to be explained in depth, what is the mechanism that lie under this, and how how can it influence the prostate cancer screening models, which is based on two things, the PSA level and the age of the man. So 
My first project was to explore what is the underlying mechanism, why obese men are having lower PSAL. Uh, there was one suggested mechanism which was supported by previous studies, actually a lot of studies in the last 15 years, which is that obese men are having more of the of plasma volume, which is in a very simple way uh, the amount of water or fluidity in the blood. And because of the mechanical effect of having a large surface area because of being obese, so this amount of fluidity is more. And this leads to simply lower the concentration of the PSA, so PSA is low. As if adding one spoon of sugar to one cup of water or two cups of water, so the concentration is less. Our hypothesis was there can be another factor which is influencing these levels of PSA, which is the hormonal levels in obese men, because it is well known and studied that with obesity, especially in men, there is some alternation in the sex hormones, mainly the testosterone, which is the male hormone, and the estradiol, which is some sort of feminine hormone, which is found in a very small amount in men. But the balance between the estradiol and testosterone is what can make a problem if the balance is changing. So we worked on uh, one of the population-based cohort, which is uh, from a South Australian uh, population, and uh, we found that... Uh, so is that the Flory Adelaide Mayo Agency? Yes, the famous cohort. Yeah, yeah. the famous cohort. Yeah, yeah. And we it's have... Famous. famous. Yeah, it's famous. Yeah. We included uh, 900 and something men, 950, and we found that in this cohort, obese men are having, in addition to the higher plasma volume, they are having increase in the ratio between estradiol and testosterone. And when we compared which of these two factors are having uh, more influence on the PSA level, we found that the hormonal factors, the estradiol-testosterone balance, is having a major effect on the PSA level, which can even dominate the effect of the plasma volume. And this is actually very important because there is a lot of evolving data about the role of the balance between estradiol and testosterone and the risk of even prostate cancer um, formation and aggressiveness and even progression or hormonal treatment. Um, so the next step was to check what is the influence of this lower PSA level on prostate cancer risk assessment. So when any man go to his GP and he has like concern about prostate cancer or he has a family history of prostate cancer and he want to check what is his risk. So usually the physician check his age, his uh, PSA, and there's different guidelines, but they are having some common recommendation, which is if the PSA level is more than three, we usually take it as a suspicious level and we proceed for more investigation like radiological investigation or even biopsy. If it is at the level of 2 and the age is uh, 60, you consider him as like more or less intermediate risk and you give him one year or two year schedule to repeat the PSA. If it is more than one, 
uh, nanogram milliliters the PSA level and his age is 50 you give him again one or two years if he's below these thresholds you can tell him that there is no risk or even can come after five or eight years there is some debate about a real effect of prostate cancer screening and the effect of over treatment and picking up uh, indolent cases which will not need treatment but a part of this dilemma there is some people who have high risk of prostate cancer, they have strong family history, and their PSA level should be read in the right way so that we will not underestimate the risk. So we used or we tried to duplicate the model for age-specific PSA, which is not only taking the absolute PSA level, but considering the age of the patient. So a man whose age of 60 with PSA of 2 is not as a man of 40 with PSA of 2. So the younger with higher PSA is more uh, suspicious. Okay. So we built a, a model or a chart like this and we included the BMI or the body mass index or the obesity factor in this chart. And we found that uh, morbidly obese men, especially with uh, body mass index more than 35, are showed um, around four to five years delay in reaching each threshold, the uh, one nanogram, the two nanogram, and the three nanogram per milliliter, which simply means if you have two men with the same age, same prostate cancer risk, and same PSA level, but one of them are morbidly obese, this means that his PSA should be considered as higher than the value which is coming now. So his, should, his risk assessment should not be considered in the same way uh, as a man with a normal weight. So that's quite a big finding. Yes, yes. This is like, I think it may have uh, uh, implications on how we interpret the PSA levels in the future. And even if we can consider this in the screening trials, it may have an impact on why some of the screening, prostate cancer screening trials was not showing a major effect on reducing mortality because maybe it was diluted by the effect of having obese men, in the, especially with increasing the prevalence of obesity in the Western countries. Yeah, for sure. So knowing all of that, uh, how do you think GPs could make use of, of your findings? I think... <clears throat> the most important thing here is that GPs should consider the patient or the man weight and height or his body mass index when reading his PSA. So if you have a morbidly obese man with a PSA uh, with a BMI of 35 or 40, you should consider this when reading his PSA. So even if his PSA is within the normal values or the, in the range which is not very suspicious but if you uh, dot his PCA level on our chart you will find that if he was normal weight his PCA will be much higher than this and you should take the higher value or put him on slightly higher risk don't give him a very loose screening interval or schedule for the next PCA test be more cautious with him what are some of the ways that you could kind of get that information to GPs, do you think? How do you <coughs> disseminate those research findings? So the first PSA test is, is 
ordered by a GP, it's not ordered by a urologist or by an oncologist. So, uh, a GP minded way will have, I think, will have a good implementation on how we can improve uh, interpreting the PSA results, especially in the, um, in the group who are having morbid obesity. Yeah, cool. So I guess for you, what's, what's the next step for your career and your research? So I'm now on my third year of my PhD and I'm uh, finalizing uh, these models and I'm working on a new model to see if the change in the hormonal levels in obese men are having are one of the mechanisms that lead to aggressive prostate cancer in obese men, which is we are almost finishing this project. I wish I can continue on my uh, clinical research in some sort of academic path uh, because this is where I feel like I'm really doing important things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it sounds like it's really important work. Yeah, it's like whenever you got a very interesting finding, it's, it's, it's important and you feel like you're you are doing something and you're putting your name in the history of medicine. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great, Adele. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming on yeah, the no, podcast no, today. Really enjoyed it, yeah. um, if people have any questions or comments about you or your research, how could they get in contact with you? My uh, profile is, is with my email and all my contacts are available on, on Uni of Adelaide uh, website yeah. and the Freemason uh, Men Health Center. Um, and yeah, you can Google my name, Adel Arif, Oncology or University of Adelaide, and you'll get my LinkedIn and research kit uh, page from Google. So yeah, yeah. you can find all my contacts there. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's podcast. For more info about PSA testing and prostate cancer, visit Andrology Australia's website at www.andrologyaustralia.org or visit the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners website at www.racgp.org.au. Make sure you look out for our next podcast where I talk with Alison Barrett about her work on the iFarm World Project which is aimed at improving the well-being of Australian farmers. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Until next time.